0: Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today, you guys, today is my favorite guest we've ever had, ever. And also, maybe our most requested, we have my sister with us, Rebecca Atwood. Who's also Becca. Who's also Becca. So there's a lot of Beccas, and also, my sister and I have very similar voices, so you might get confused. There's two Beccas, and there's two people that sound very much alike.
1: That sounds like a great idea
0: yeah, this was a great idea. But you guys have been asking for her to come on and she is a very busy lady. She has her own business. We're laughing because I've been asking her to come on the podcast for like seven months and she's been pushing us and pushing us. And now she has a new book out. So there's like a business reason for her to do it. (laughs) But she has a nine month old daughter and she is quite busy right now. So We're so happy to have her here. We're going to talk all about how she started her business. We're going to talk about some fun things from growing up. And we're going to tell embarrassing grace stories. We've got a lot to say. So we're going to get into it. But first, let's do highs and lows. Becca, what's your high this week? I have two highs. Oh.
1: So my first high is that my birthday – well, I guess when this airs, my birthday will have been last weekend – Sunday. It's still your birthday week. September 1st. You guys,
0: if you want to give Becca a birthday present, go leave us a review in iTunes. That's all she wants.
1: Yeah, I would love that. Or if you live in Philly, buy tickets to our show. Anyway, so we're having a birthday brunch on Sunday and Grace is so sweet and she was like, do you want me to plan it? And I just thought that was so nice because I don't know. It really warmed my heart that somebody was like,
0: I'll take care of this. I mean, I sent an email and I used the wrong email address for Becca twice. So I've done a really good job.
1: But it's just nice. It's like, you know, I'm single. I don't have a a spouse to do this type of thing. You're my platonic life partner. And it just really warmed my heart that you were going to plan my birthday brunch.
0: Oh, thanks. And I'm excited for it. It was literally no work. I made an open table reservation and I sent an email. But it's nice having someone send the email for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm excited about my birthday brunch. And then next week... I am going – or this week, I get really confused by podcast time. September 5th. Yeah. I am going to my favorite hotel in the world. So it's my friend Elizabeth's Bachelorette, and she asked me to plan it. So my favorite hotel is in Palm Beach. It's called The Breakers. It is so fantastic and relaxing and beautiful and wonderful. And they have the best spa, and the food is so good. It's my favorite place. But I took – a bunch of my girlfriends there for my 30th birthday and they all got hooked and so we're having my friend elizabeth's bachelorette party there and i just cannot wait to lay by a pool overlooking a beach drink rosé read books and get a massage i'm so
0: excited that sounds so nice i'm
1: so excited
0: yeah what about you so my high is if you're on the internet at all, you've probably seen all this pandemonium about the Amazon nightgown. So when I started talking about it, I had no idea it was gonna catch on quite like this. I was on page two of the New York Post. I had like a full page. People picked it up. Today picked it up. Allure picked it up. It was in Vogue, Germany, Elle, the Daily Mail last week. So I, as we record, it hasn't gone live yet. I was on Inside Edition It's crazy. I've been doing this for 10 years and I've never had anything I've worn or talked about go this viral. So that's been really cool. I've gotten a lot of new Instagram followers. Maybe there's new listeners here because of some of that press, but it's just been cool and crazy to watch that happen.
1: It's been a real bummer for me because I really want a blue Amazon nightgown and they're all sold out. Yeah, they're all sold
0: everywhere. So this press is a real inconvenience to me. I'm sorry. You should have bought it when it was should available. should have. They keep adding new colors and then taking them down. I know. I feel like it's there's something shady going on over there.
1: I think it's the returns because yeah. the sizing is like real all over the place. So I think people buy a bunch and then just return them and then they put them back in stock.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah. Uh, my other high is that we have a long weekend. I'm excited to be in the city for Labor Day weekend. I don't have a lot planned. I'm seeing my sister and Zoe for brunch and I have your birthday party. And I think I might go get a massage. I feel like I, I'll tell well, I'll say my low after this, but I just feel a little tired and like I, I deserve a little pampering.
1: Do you want to go to the spa on Saturday evening? Do you want to go to Bond Street?
0: Maybe. I'm supposed to hang out with John on Saturday. Well, Yeah, See if he wants to
1: get a massage. I bet he might be into that. I know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. What about lows?
0: So my low is I'm just really tired. I haven't been sleeping very well. I'm trying to figure out. I've started taking CBD and that has helped, but I've just been very tired. When all this like pandemonium is going on and my DMs are exploding and like I'm thinking about like, oh, like last night I was up and I kept being like, did I mess up the TV segment? Like, is it going to be good? Like, what, how is it going to turn out? Like, and my thoughts can't turn off. So I just, I've been sleeping terribly, like really badly. Like I'm kind of a shell of a human as we're recording today. I'm actually sipping coffee and it's two 30. How about you?
1: Um, so mine is that I've come (laughs) to the realization that my bathroom and my apartment really sucks.
0: Yeah, mine does too.
1: So I shared some of the good parts of my apartment (laughs) on the internet, but The bad part is the bathroom. And so I had this really ugly hot water heater in my bathroom. And so I was like, okay, I need to find a way to cover it. So finally, I had something built, like I had something custom built to cover it. And it was expensive. It was like $550. Oh my God. I know, but it was like, it's like a weird size. There's nothing that like, exists to cover it so i paid somebody to make something to cover it and i like amortized it in my head where i was like okay if i stay in this apartment for three years it comes out to fifteen dollars a month and i was like would i pay fifteen dollars a month to never have to look at this thing and i was like yeah i would so i bought it i was like cool this is gonna fix everything no it's no no it's still ugly and like it's too small and uh. now it has this cover on it and so now i'm just like uh, I'm the biggest person in the world in my bathroom. Like, I feel like a Shrek. Like, yeah. I'm just like,
0: Whoa. yeah, I feel like Shrek in your bathroom too. It's,
1: it's just, not, it's, it's great. Not very well designed. No, I had such high hopes that this water heater cover was going to just like transform the space. No, did not. Yeah. Also, the door doesn't open all the way. I need to have somebody come and saw down the door. Oh my God. Yeah, my bathroom sucks too, but it's not as bad as yours. Yeah.
0: Yeah. These apartments, they're so funny because they're, like, very big, but, like, there's cockroaches and there's weird things that happen, and every unit has, like, a strange quirk about it. Yeah. Mine's the lack of closet space, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: But you know what doesn't suck? What doesn't suck? Our tour. Oh, God, I can't say that word. We? Tour. She can't say tour. Our thing so, that we're doing. Yes, doesn't our thing suck. that we're doing. It doesn't We're doing live shows. October 2nd in San Francisco, October 16th in DC, October 17th in Philly, October 23rd in Atlanta and November 6th in Dallas. And I'm telling you this because it's like back to school. Summer is over. Everything sucks and you need something to look forward to. So personally, I think that you should bring a bunch of your girlfriends and buy tickets to one of our shows if we're coming to your city. Do it. Yeah, please do that. You can get tickets at com slash live. And we would love to see you there. The shows are a blast. Also, we're still trying to figure out our New York show. Not going great Yeah, we're having some issues We were
0: hoping it was November 1st It may be in October Well, we will tell you when we know Yeah, it's it's been a little bit of a monster
1: But yeah Yeah, so come Should we
0: talk about your sister? Yes, let's talk about my sister Becca, welcome to the podcast It's only been a year and a half of doing this in episode 71 And you're finally here <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to be here and talk with you guys in such an official way.
2: (laughs) We're excited
1: to. Very official.
2: We're using microphones.
1: Well, yeah, that's how you make a podcast. I know. Yeah. Well, wait, do you want to introduce your sister? You're just going to let her loose. Usually you're like the hype woman. You're like, hey, my sister is here. She's fine.
0: We're so excited to have my sister here. Becca has had an absolutely amazing career. So she got her start working for anthropology in Philadelphia. She was a home goods designer there. She would make you made so many things. I feel like you made teapots and butter dishes and like all sorts of stuff. And then she moved to New York, worked for a terrible company. I never remember the name of it, but she's going to tell you about that. Oh wow! Um, it it was she's funny. To spill the tea. Well, it was just funny because she had to move here because her now husband was going to law school up at Columbia. So she got a job and left anthropology, which she really loved. And then she um, went out on her own and started her own business. So Rebecca Atwood Designs is the name of the company. And they have the most – I mean, if you – come over my apartment or seen pictures like it's all her stuff like my curtains are from her my pillows are from her my wallpaper in my bedroom and my bathroom is from her my chaise lounge is covered in her fabrics she has the best fabrics the most beautiful wallpaper she's so talented and it's really cool to see like when I was growing up I thought you had to major in business I didn't think it was possible to have such a successful career and go to art school so she's going to talk to you all about that and we're just so excited to have her here.
1: And she just wrote her second book. Yes, <laughs> which is why she's here. Yes,
0: I should have mentioned that. So her first book, Living with Pattern, was all about incorporating pattern into your home, and the second one is called Living with Color.
2: You guys are like making me sound really accomplished, which is making me laugh.
0: You are I'm excited I was wondering to talk why you it. were cracking up as I was talking. I was like, did I say something
2: wrong? <laughs>
1: no, I just Think it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wait. Okay. So Grace gave us this kind of meandering intro about you. But if you had to tell us about yourself and your career, can you walk us through like the elevator pitch version from college until now? So the really short version. Not the really short version, but not like the whole episode version. Okay. So
2: I studied painting at Rhode Island School of Design. And that was, I guess, where you could say my professional career started, but I wouldn't say that RISD was about the business side of things at all. I studied painting. I remember calling our dad to say, I'm going to major in painting and not graphic design, not fashion design. And he said, I'm so relieved. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is crazy.
1: His parents (laughs) (laughs) sound like dad.
2: I didn't know about this. I know. Well, when you were introducing me, I, I do think there's some Different messaging we both got as children. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But he was really, you know, very excited that I was going to do that. And he said that was because you've always loved doing that and you should do what you're passionate about. So I studied painting, but my paintings became about textiles. And so I thought I'll take some textile courses. And then I realized that was probably the closest thing I could do to painting every day and get paid. So I definitely needed a job. So then I put together a portfolio, and I applied for jobs in textiles, and I interviewed at fashion companies and home, and I quickly realized that fashion was not going to be for me. And although I had a job offer, I decided to hold out. (laughs) Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it was
0: a place that we would not shop.
2: (laughs) And then I, um, I ended up getting an internship at anthropology on their home team. And I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, am I going to move down here for an internship? But I thought I'll get in. I'll do a really good job and then they'll want to hire me. (laughs) And it did work out. So I moved down there and I worked on their home team and I did a bit of everything. As Grace mentioned, I designed like kitchen tea towels and measuring cups, bowls, mugs. Bedding, How many curtains. things did you design a week for them? It was crazy. So in the very beginning, it took me a little bit when I was first started, but then I was designing three to five programs per week, and so a program could be a set of bowls. So there might be four bowls, and each one had a different pattern, or it could be you know an apron program, and there were two sizes, or tea towels with three designs, or it could have been a bedding set that had a duvet and shams. So it depended. I usually tried to spread out like artwork-heavy designs with less artwork-heavy ones, things that were related. And I remember thinking like, okay, Monday, Tuesday, that's for artwork. Then it was getting reviewed. And then Friday, I had to put together the briefs. It was a lot of work. You pumped out stuff while you were there. Yes. So that was my training ground as a like developing product. So I came in and I really only knew how to put together a repeat and not very quickly, I might add. So I spent a lot of time really making sure that I figured out how to do things and got up to speed. And then I decided I was going to move to New York with my then boyfriend, now husband. And so as Grace mentioned, I had to find another job. And I quickly realized that was going to be challenging to find something that I enjoyed as much. I really did love the people at Anthropology. There were a lot of other reasons why it was good to leave and move on, but it was sort of this college experience I didn't have. Everybody was young and friendly, and you had a great social life there. So I did take a job designing private label things for a company who – (laughs) I mean, I doubt any of you know, so I will just say it. They were called Idea Nuovo, which they did not have any new ideas. Uh, My first week, I was asked to design 50 pillows. I wasn't told the price point, who they were for, anything. It was chaos.
0: Didn't you make SpongeBob product too? No, but they were doing –
2: I think I had to design some Marilyn Monroe pillows. It was pretty bad. My email was designer sixty one. Ooh. I I know, not even my name, which just shows you how they valued employees. So I don't remember that. That's yeah, crazy. It was bad. I think my first day, I knew pretty soon that I had made a mistake, and the woman who was in charge, who I reported to, definitely misled me about what I would be doing and what the job looked like. So that was pretty frustrating. I had a definite New York moment where I cried on the subway home that day. yeah. <laughs> But I didn't stay there long. I ended up then saying, okay, you know, I got a smartphone. People didn't have that before. Got a phone so that I could do a job search on my phone at lunch and respond to emails. And I contacted people that I used to work with and I told them I was looking for a job. And while I think when I was moving, people there weren't going to recommend me for something, it did work out that I found that la- that job through employees at anthropology. So I worked there for a few years. They were a UK based consulting group and they had a New York office for a time. And I got to still design for anthropology and urban outfitters and really all levels of the market. So Bed Bath & Beyond, Amazon, Bloomingdale's, some customers in the UK. We did trend work for WGSN. They were building out this section of their site called Home Build Life. And I would help them with translating fashion trends into home. And this is quite a while ago, but the internet was changing things. So they needed to offer more value. So we'd help design products that retailers could download and customize so that they could develop product based on the trends. So wait, so how did you get started with your own line? So I was ready for a change. The projects, some of them just weren't going where I wanted them to. And I had been there for a while and I was ready for the next challenge and I just felt I was looking for more and I wasn't going to necessarily find it there, but I'd either worked with companies and I I'd worked with most retailers or knew somebody that had, and I knew where I would work and where I wouldn't work. And nobody I would have worked for was hiring a design director. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to consult. I'm going to freelance. I'm going to design product for... People I was still designing product for when I was at that group, and I'm just going to do it on my own. When I worked for that company, you had to source with a certain sourcing agent, so there were complications. And I was like, great, you can source it however you want. I'll design the product, and I'll just have a lot more flexibility. And really, starting my line was, and the intention was to have a point of view and to market myself as a freelance design consultant. And just to have something that I cared about and was excited about and was hands-on and not in front of the computer. So it was not necessarily conceived of as that was going to be my business and my income. I thought I'd be spending 75% of my time doing freelance design work for other people. And this would be something that I could do that would be a nice side thing.
1: Sweet. How long ago did you start? What is now Rebecca Atwood Designs?
2: I left my job in January of 2013, so it's been a little over six years, six and a half years.
1: Okay. Yeah. I think we have a lot more questions about your line, so I will save them.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But wait, tell us a little about the second book before we get into all the other questions. Okay. The second book is called Living with Color. I say in some
2: ways it should have been the first book because color is really the start of everything, but I don't think that anybody when I first decided I was writing Living With Pattern, would have come to me for a book about color. I always assumed there were a lot of books out there about color that would be – that why would they need another one? But then I started looking into it and I thought there are books about the history of color. There are books about what color is, the science of color. There are books just about the color blue. And there are a lot of interior books about color, but they're mostly inspirational images. And yeah, so, like that book we have from
0: Kelly Wearstler,
2: Which I love and it's yeah. beautiful and it's great for somebody like me. But, it, you know, most people don't know how to use color in their home and they don't know. They haven't taken a color theory course. They just don't know where to start. And my aim is to help people understand what color is, what their colors are, and how to use them at home. So I am excited about that.
0: Yeah, you should be. The book is amazing. I have a copy.
1: I've read the whole thing. I have not read the whole thing. I've read a lot of it. (laughs) So let's talk more about work. So we're going to get into the questions that people submitted for you. We'll start with work, but I really want to spend a lot of time on embarrassing parts of Grace's childhood. I don't think I'm going to share any
2: embarrassing stories.
1: We talk about elegance from England, but Mm. I can't really think of... I know. Is that because... You're a good sister or is that because Grace wasn't embarrassing?
2: It's because I'm a good sister. And also, I'm sure she has many embarrassing stories about me and,
0: you know, solidarity. (laughs) I don't mind if (laughs) – now, our mother, on the other hand, came to the live show and just talked a whole bunch of shit about me. It was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, it was amazing. She didn't (laughs) mind. It was hilarious. I didn't mind.
1: (laughs) Okay. But you first. So, somebody asked, how do you balance the business and creative sides of your day-to-day? I'd say that is one of the most challenging things about
2: having your own business and a creative business. And it would definitely be a lie if you thought that I sat and painted all day long. It's just not the reality. I'd say in particular, this past year has been Instagram makes it
0: look like you just paint all day. And I know that's true. not true. And
2: I think that's something where I have been thinking, how do I share more about the business side of what I'm doing? But it, this year in particular, I'd say has been the least amount in terms of creative because it's just been a year of a lot of change. But what I generally try to do is like time block my week. And so I have a lot of different responsibilities. I have like the admin and operation side. I have the finance side, the marketing and sales, creative. There's a lot of different things. And I have people that report into me in different areas. And so I try to kind of Think about each day as a different thing. You know, Wednesdays, I have my financial controller come in. And so we're going to do bills and we're going to look at all the finances and I'm going to save anything that's related to that for that day. I usually meet with our operations person that day and, you know, I, I look at it as chunks of time So because it is really hard to switch from looking at your profit and loss statement and then going to being thinking about you know, creative concepts for your next collection. It's just, it's challenging.
1: Yeah. And you started as a one-woman show and you were doing everything in your second bedroom, I remember. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. So what has it been like to expand past being like an individual sole proprietor business to being like a business owner with employees? Yeah,
2: it's interesting. Cause when I started, I didn't have a real plan. I was just making things in my apartment. I was washing screens in our shower for screen printing and dyeing fabric in our kitchen sink and our bathtub and shipping out pillows from our living room. And it just took on a bit of a life of its own. But I think probably this was the summer of 2016. I decided to take a business course. And I will give Holly a plug here because I love her and I still work with her. And her name's Ask Holly How. And she's amazing. And that was really the turning point for it in terms of the business. I had already, I did have one employee, N- Nellie, and what, I was about to hire another person. And it was time to really figure out, you know, creating an operations manual, just what I needed to do to grow. And I think the biggest thing there was figuring out our values and purpose and vision and what those things were and how they informed all of the other decisions I'd make. And once those were set, it just became a lot clearer for me what we needed to do, how to give an employee review based on those things, how to hire based on those things. But it really was something I didn't know much about prior to that. And that was sort of the beginning of my education as a business person and leader and entrepreneur.
0: Now, a question we got a lot was, what would you define as your biggest break? in starting and running your business?
2: I saw that question and I laughed because I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, I've made it. There's- I think you've made it. (laughs) I think I'm always thinking about what we need to do next. And I do think I can be very forward thinking with that. And it's something where, for example, the book coming out, I have to stop and say, because in my mind, like that work's done. It takes a long time for a book to come out. In my mind, I'm always looking forward and I, I have to make myself take the time to think about it and be like, oh, that was this really good thing that you did. I, you I, and
0: Grace are the same way about that. I am too. Yeah. I, I was going to say, You're, you do it too. We all do it. We're like, okay, that's done. Now what now?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, I mean, I'm excited about this book, but it's also is my work. I don't necessarily think of it as an accomplishment.
1: But was there somewhere you were profiled or someone you partner with or something that like really was a tipping point for your
2: business? I think the biggest tipping point was probably in the fall of 2014. I had two exciting things happen. And one of those was I got approached about the method partnership that I did. And the other was the book. So it was funny. Both of those things came to me that year in the fall. And Those were the things that made me realize, oh, this could be a business. There's potential here. And those were big factors because to take on those workloads, I had to start saying no to freelance work. So I think that was the biggest shift mentally in terms of, okay, I'm going to make this into something.
0: But wait, what about when you met Grace Bonney? I feel like that was early on a, a pretty big break for you.
2: Definitely. I mean, Design Sponge was... I think I went to something she hosted. You went to something she hosted. And we were crafting. And then I sent her an email and I was like, hey, I'm making this stuff. Will you write about me? And that was for sure. There was press that we got with the launch that really helped. I also would credit you as well because you sent emails out to all of your friends and people wrote about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. But Design Sponge, I feel like you were like, it sounded like 10,000 hits. Like, and for a small business owner, like someone just starting out. Yeah, I don't remember the number, but I do remember
2: thinking in retrospect, I should have had an email pop-up.
1: Yes,
2: (laughs) yes.
0: I never fully captured that audience. (laughs) Yeah. But another thing you did that was so great was you really invested in great photography from day one.
2: I think that- That was something that was really important. And I knew from my background doing, you know, when I worked for this consultancy group, we also did work on branding. So I knew that I needed to have a professional website. I needed to have photography. And so those were all things I saved for in advance and prioritized because I guess I just hadn't thought things through that much, but I Maybe subconsciously I did because I thought, well, if I'm going to go and I want to wholesale this and I want to talk to a bigger retailer, I need this to look a certain way. Yeah. And so I did think, too, at that time it was easier to get press for things. If you had good, beautiful imagery of your product, people were looking for content and so they would write about you. And it's
0: it's different now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you got so much press because you had these beautiful photos of it. Definitely.
1: Well, what about on the flip side? So what would you say has been the biggest challenge for you as a business owner?
2: I think there's always a new challenge. I think at one point early on, the biggest challenge was managing cash flow
1: and figuring that out. Well, that's so hard to have a product-driven business where you have to invest in inventory. Definitely. And even on the small scale,
2: but just knowing things like you should get a line of credit. It didn't even occur to me that that was something I could do. So, but I, I got it pretty early on, actually. Uh, other challenges. I think this past year has been the most challenging. And for good reasons, like having a child, I had two members of my small team that also had babies within five weeks of me. And that, caused me to have to really look at our team and what we needed and how we were going to grow and in some ways those challenges are what drives you forward and creates a stronger team a stronger vision for moving forward so it's hard because i don't although that was challenging i don't know that i'd think of that as a bad thing i think of it as actually a really positive thing
0: yeah one thing that I would find challenging is your whole sourcing process because you've managed to keep it really sustainable. You work with like really ethical production companies. I don't quite understand how all of this like works, <laughs> but I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that and kind of about your values. Definitely. I, the thing is your brand values. We, yes.
2: Well, we, <laughs> when it comes to sustainability, it's complicated and we are making a product. So ultimately that is not sustainable for the earth. <laughs> And I don't think there's really any way to get around that. Even saying, oh, we're making better quality products so people buy less, It's you're still making a product. But we try to make responsible decisions when it's about our production. So we work m- primarily with local production partners. I think that is probably one of the biggest things when you talk about carbon footprint is how far product is traveling. Um, we work with, uh, mostly natural base fabrics like an, like a linen and the particular company we buy our base fabric from. They have a lot of sustainability metrics, I guess is what the, ter- how you would describe it. But they, for example, return the water 10 times cleaner to the river than when they take it. So.
0: That's really cool.
2: Yeah, I just think there's always stuff again that we can be doing better and I think as you grow, you have the opportunity to make more change. Whereas you know, there's things like I'd love to be like oh, all of our fibers are organic and we're, you know, when we weave a fabric all the yarns I can like trace that, but ultimately like we're not big enough yet to do that. And sometimes mm-hmm. you're talking about the difference in your product being like a dollar more on your cost, but unless other people are making those decisions, it's not an option.
1: Well, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about art and creativity. So I know you said you were a painting major. Like how and when did you start painting?
0: I love this question. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I've always been painting. You You, created like a painting of a little house. Remember that little house you painted at your painting class? You were five. (laughs)
1: Betha <laughs> looks like she has no idea I what Grace no was idea. talking.
0: No, I
2: actually had to ask mom about this recently because yeah. I've been trying to write down just some thoughts about my story as I think about like where we're headed and what, and revisiting our vision and purpose and all of that. And I, I couldn't remember. And I remembered in elementary school in like first, second grade painting. And I think even before that, and my mom said actually it was in preschool at Sunshine and Rainbows that their teacher came up to mom and said, do you see this? Like, this is really, really great. Like most two-year-olds or overall, they don't draw this way. And so they you're a I prodigy. <laughs> there
0: was a oil wouldn't. painting of a little house. Because then she put you in yes. painting classes. Like, yes. Before you went to kindergarten, you were taking painting classes. I don't know if it was that early. But I did <laughs> ask her because
2: I remember taking private lessons, private painting lessons with our elementary art teacher. Or there was this woman that had – we painted seascapes in the basement. I thought that's so funny. And yeah. my, mo- my mom was, yeah, but you didn't like that as much because she told you exactly what to do and how you did it. <laughs> and you wanted to oh, do other yeah. things. And they even, I mean, mom drove me 45 minutes to Hyannis to take painting classes at Cape Cod Community College when I was in middle school.
0: I didn't I That's commitment. That. That's a lot of commitment. We have the best parents. Yes. They were so supportive. And that's another question, but we'll get to that.
1: (laughs) Wait, like thinking about your creative process now, where do you find your inspiration?
2: I think that the painting is more something I have to do. In a lot of ways, it's more about like processing the day to day and these memories and these ideas than it is about necessarily like seeing something and, and that idea and Being like, oh, I'm going to paint that, or I'm going to like create from that.
1: Wait, I have a clarifying question. Do you have like a personal painting process in addition to your business? Or is all of your creativity at this point like funneled into your business?
2: I'd say it's all funneled into the business, but so my creative process really starts in my sketchbook. And I usually have a sketchbook in my purse and I have a bunch at home and I have a bunch at the studio. And I try to make time to paint. Without an agenda. It's been much harder this year having a small baby, but I try to just like capture ideas and thoughts that I have visually, and then I return to those and I explore them further. So I think that what we create for the business is very much pulled from that resource material. And I'm the only one, I'm the only one that does the actual original artwork. So Yeah. I mean, I tend to kind of go back to those sketchbooks when I'm pulling for a new collection and I'll get down ideas and I'll pin things up on the wall. And then sometimes I'll have to paint something new based on those ideas or a new thing that I think will help connect those visually that's maybe been in my head, but I haven't had time to really explore. But I do think that practice of just making things without the agenda of, oh, I need a multicolored fabric or I need a small-scale textural pattern. I think that's where things tend to get less interesting, and I've definitely designed that way for other retailers in the past where, oh, this thing is selling really well, so let's make something like that but different. Yeah.
0: But you kind of talked a little bit about your process, but do you have any rituals while you're creating? Do you listen to music? Are you drinking coffee? Like, what are you doing? Um. Is Zoe screaming in the background? <laughs> I think
2: I'm I'm having to refine that for sure. I used to paint a lot at night and my husband would be Steve. He'd be working late and so I'd have time and I would just like paint at home. I'd watch TV. I just I remember one of the reasons that being a painter would not have been good for me is that I really like to be alone and I would basically sit by myself in a room without music (laughs) and just work. And it's like the whole day would go away. And that wasn't healthy for me.
0: (laughs) We've got some serious introvert tendencies in this family. (laughs) But I do remember also when I started
2: working for myself and I'd be in the second bedroom and a friend came over and they're like, you don't have music on or anything. And I was just like, Oh, It didn't even occur to me that I could have done that. I just was like, I got to get into this work and I've got to start and I've got to like get this idea down. And then it'd be the afternoon and I'd be like, oh, I've got to eat something.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I can relate to that in a different way from when I was, when blogging was kind of like my side hustle and I would spend all weekend like cooped up writing and things and then it'd be four o'clock and I was like, oh, fuck, I haven't eaten all day long. Yeah.
1: Like, yeah, it's funny. Can we switch gears again to home decor? hmm So, I mean, your your business is beautiful home textiles and my comforter is, is one of yours. You do pillows. You do design fabric to upholster furniture. Wallpaper. Wallpaper. So, like, you have some expertise here. I am very yeah. afraid of this section. It's going to make me want to, like, redecorate my whole apartment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think for me, what
2: I did realize is that Creating things that people use is much more interesting to me personally than just creating a painting. And so this idea that these objects can have like real meaning and and artistry and tell your personal story,
1: that's exciting to me. Yeah. So let's start with the most boring question that somebody asked. Okay. What's your favorite white paint? I mean, it's an important question, but it it it's a boring question. I think
2: that white is really hard. And I think it depends so much on your space. And the amount of natural light you get. I, so I would say that it's a really hard one to say like, oh, this color is going to work anywhere else. Um, this isn't exactly a white because I definitely think it's more of like a gray white than a white white. But I do love white pepper by Valspar. I use it in our showroom. And actually our walls, you would think of our walls as white and the cabinetry is gray. And the gray is white pepper. So it's all about like the context. Like we might use that color somewhere and consider it to be a white, but it looks like a gray in our space.
1: Interesting. Do you want to know something horrific? Sure. So for my apartment, when I moved in, there were two walls that were not white, but the apartment's really big and I didn't want to repaint the whole thing. So I was like, okay, let me just find out what's already on the walls and then I'll just repaint anything that's like a color or messy with the same color white. And it was Home Depot. It was like this like glidden, like the bottom of the line. It didn't even have a color yeah. number or name. It was just like white. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, what, do you, what do you mean? Like, It's just the cheapest white they have. I know, but I was like yeah. trying to get the landlord to answer. And I was like, what do you mean? It's just white. Like it needs a number or like a name. And they were like, no, no, it's just white. And I was like, oh, great. Sounds high quality.
2: Mm hmm.
0: they really didn't put a lot of effort into our building which is why we've put so much effort into our places
1: but i didn't upgrade the white paint i just used most places that
2: you're renting i mean, they're doing something similar to that yeah Yeah. i think your floor is grace everybody that i went to art school before you painted them was like oh yeah like that's the you know that gray that you get From Home Depot, that's just
0: the- The gray. The gray. (laughs) Yeah. They did not even finish my floors. They just painted them with the gray plywood. Mine are still gray. I just have a lot of rugs. Yeah. Yeah. My bedroom floor is still gray. But wait, so let's talk a little bit about color. So the new book is all about color theory. But I feel like color can be so intimidating to people. So besides picking up your new book, what is your (laughs) best advice for someone who wants to start working with more color in their home but doesn't know where to start?
2: Yeah, I think that the hardest thing for people
0: when they are starting
2: with color is that they are starting with a neutral base and then they go and they add this one color in and we've heard a lot of, oh, just add pops of color. And so they, you know, you look at your room and then you just add in these pops of color but they're really disjointed. And so they feel like, a little startling. And so my biggest tip is to have connector colors. And so, I mean, even even in your home, Grace, cause we're here, you have varying shades of green. So they help unify it versus if you just had this, like, deep emerald and everything was like, white.
0: Um, You suggested adding the pops of yellow to my apartment because I had a lot of green and pink and I didn't yes. want it to look like Lily Pulitzer.
2: Yes. And I think that the yellow, just sometimes I think it's about go
1: more instead of go less. Oh, I like that. Well, you know, I like that advice. <laughs> I don't understand the, the question. I mean, I do understand the question, like I'm not dense, but I yeah. dislike the current trend where just everything is beige. Yeah. Oh It is my God, so, so boring to me. Agreed. Agreed. I, my other tip is to think about places that
2: you've been and landscapes that just make you feel good and those will help you Pull out colors. You can pull out the colors from that landscape. You can take cues for, for proportion. I think it's very rare that you see a flat, solid color in nature. So I think you can take that idea and apply it. Like you know, what you see a field of grass. It has lots of colors of grass. You even think about the ocean. It's rippling and moving, and it's constantly changing. The sky is this flat color, but it is rarely one color. There's clouds. There's
1: it's light on this side and dark on that side. Yeah. What are some of your favorite color combinations for home? So you you got Grace into yeah. this green, yellow, pink. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had the green and pink,
0: she helped with the yellow.
1: Yeah, I think it helped make
2: it a little um more unexpected. Yeah. And my favorite colors I mean, you are very much in my line. <laughs> She's going to say blues with like pops of tangerine. Yeah. I think like that's a color palette that I'm known for. I am really loving green right now. I'd say like more like dune grass green and these softer shades. And I think about, you know, and I'm sure you can think of this green I'm talking about on the window shutters on a, like a shingled house on Cape Cod in a mm-hmm. green. And it's just like just a little washed, but it's still like vibrant. I'm loving that color. I'd probably pair those with like a cloud blue, something soft, and a taupe that's a little bit rosy to give it a little contrast, even though it's a neutral, because red and green are complements. So complementary colors, it doesn't just mean that they look good together. It means they contrast one another. So sometimes finding a way to connect them, even if you're using a neutral, but thinking of undertones I'd probably pair it with a gray lilac, too. Um, Thinking about, like, you might have your main colors, but what other colors can you fill in that are going to help connect?
0: I like that advice. So this person, and I love this question because I love wallpaper so much.
1: Me, too. They wrote, I love the look of wallpaper
0: and magazines and on Instagram, but I'm so nervous to try it. Do you have any recommendations for beginners? I want to say just do it.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do think there are a lot of options out there for removable wallpaper. Which That's is,
1: what I was going to say. Cause you, yeah, like you chasing did paper. a removable yeah. wallpaper
2: partnership. Are you going to um, do another one? It's something that I would think about. I personally think the quality that you can do on regular wallpaper is just it's so much it's better. It's so much better. And you can take it off. There's a lot of things I'd love to do, but from like a business perspective, I find it best to hone in on what's working. Mm -hmm. Our wallpaper business has doubled the last two years and it's just growing. And I think I'd rather spend time on that area of it. But I think if you're looking to add wallpaper into your home, like there are some great projects that you can find online i'm imagining one that i know i saw i think it was design sponge where they did something where they almost created like molding on their wall and and put the wallpaper inside of that so oh i saw that maybe you could put in the show notes or on your newsletter it was cool it made the wallpaper into like art
0: almost like in the panel yeah
2: and so you could do something where you get like plywood and do a detail that looked like molding and then put that up like I think that's more interesting than just like framing it like artwork I think you're not going to get that impact I think you can look at like if you had an alcove if you have a bookshelf there's a lot of projects you can do with wallpaper if you or if you have leftovers that are small things you could frame it she said she yeah. doesn't like that I oh, just yeah. personally don't love it I'm looking at grace's hunt Sloanham wallpaper that she framed I do think it's different because it feels like it feels like art to me. It feels like a uh, print. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think especially with patterns, it's just, it doesn't quite feel as interesting. I will say too, and in transparency, when people buy our swatches online, just to frame them, we lose money.
1: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> there is yeah. nothing I love more than a very intensely patterned wallpaper bathroom.
0: Yes. Same. A
1: bathroom is a great place to start.
2: And it's a great place to paint a bold color. You don't spend a lot of time there, and it's like a surprise when you walk in.
1: Yeah. I really want to wallpaper my bathroom that I have just talked about how much it sucks. Maybe that's what I'll do this winter at some point. We'll see.
2: You could also paint a small pattern on it. A friend of mine, um, she just did that in her bathroom where she painted little stars, and it looks like wallpaper, and it was really easy.
0: Cute. Yeah, I like that. I saw those photos. Katie, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about
1: affordable home finds. Oh my God, I love <laughs> where, this question. Where are your favorite places for affordable home finds? And somebody specifically asked, do you ever shop at places like Ikea or West Elm?
2: I know why Grace is laughing because there are certain things that I have told her not to buy at West Elm before. And that's not to say that I don't, I, there are things that I think you can buy there and there's things that I don't recommend buying there. And it's hard. Like what? You get <sighs> specific. I know. Well, And this is also going back 12 years, but I definitely bought a sofa there and it saved up my money and it was like an $800 sofa. So that is really cheap. And basically, anytime you're buying something under that mark for furniture, like a, a sofa, it isn't meant to last. But I remember a year later thinking this thing is a piece of crap. It wasn't good. And that's just really disappointing. When you're at that age and you've saved up this money and you think you're getting
1: something that would last longer. So what are the items that you think you can go cheap on?
2: That's a good question. I think about, well, I think about generally when you're creating a room, you should spend the most money you can on the pieces that matter the most, like a sofa, because it's really, it's important. But I think that decorative elements. I mean, we just got these glasses at CB2 for the showroom. that are like a dollar something and they're great. Um, I think things like that, like some of the reasons that Ikea can do some of the things they can do is just sheer volume. So I had visited some really nice factories in Portugal that produce glassware for Ikea and it's great quality, but they're producing so much volume that they can get great pricing. So I do think that's something where It's always a challenge. And and I think there are these like, oh, we're going direct to consumer. And so we're cutting out the middleman and you're getting this better quality. And we found this thing that, you know, isn't being done, but it it is. And sometimes it isn't actually like a better
1: deal. And it's just, it's just a marketing thing. And wait, you need to give me more than I can buy glassware for cheap. Like we're oh, girls oh on a yeah. budget. Sorry, I For mean that's what about I'm getting
0: secondhand awesome. and vintage? Yes, I think-
2: that's what I, that's what when I did see this question ahead of time, that's where I'd say like, and there are things that I've to go just quickly on the IKEA side though. Like uh, my friend Kate, she just recently bought a pine IKEA dresser, and she painted it with a beautiful and Ball color, and that was a really nice way to make something special, but that was affordable. So I do think there's things like that, like look for like it being 100% wood if you're buying something like that.
1: I'm about to go upstairs after this and I just got some new knobs that I'm going to put on my Ikea dresser from 99centnobs.com.
2: Those are things you can do. I think it's looking at the materials it's made with, you know, what is quality versus I'm never going to recommend somebody get like polyester sheets, like get 100% cotton, it's hard. I do think vintage is, is a really good way to go, like going to a thrift store, an antique market, a flea market, go to Brimfield. go to Rolls Bowl. There's so much you can get that is just going to be a better quality than you can get on some other items.
1: So another question that we got is if a big retailer like a Target asked you to do a collection, would you do something like that? Like partnering with an IKEA or somebody that had this huge scale? Definitely.
2: I think that the idea of accessibility is really appealing. I think it has to be the right fit. It has to feel like people that you want to work with and, and all of that. But we do really small scale production in the scheme of things. And even though we're growing, it's still, it's small. And having somebody that not only has the scale of the numbers for production, but that's about distribution, like how how they get that to people. And you need both. So doing something that can reach more people is definitely appealing to me.
1: What would you want to make that you cannot make at your current production scale that you would want to make if you were like doing something with a huge brand?
2: What didn't I want to make? I didn't know if you <laughs> had like a dream product
1: where you were like well
2: there are exciting things in the works right now. Ooh, yeah, you've but got I can't something really exciting. talk more about that.
1: So, yeah. Apparently, we might see soon. <laughs> Big things coming. Somebody asked, do you and Grace think your parents did something to encourage your creativity and entrepreneurship? Well, I think that.
2: It's interesting because we were all just together with our other sister. There's a third sister. Yeah, it's not just us. It's not just us. And we were and all. She's the
1: youngest sister. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. We were all talking about like our memories and interpretations of like what, you know, what messaging we got from our yeah. parents as it was kids. Very different. Very different. I do think we saw our parents work really hard and they had a, their own business. And I actually had one at one point in my early 20s that I would never own my own business. I said I would never own a restaurant because of how hard they work. I also said I'd never live in New York. So those were two things that I think were yeah, because we grew up on Cape Cod. Those seemed like I
0: didn't want to live here. I think they did. I think. Um. We were always making things. We were always, we were in painting classes. I took painting classes too, like not like yours. Like I took like painting for idiots classes, (laughs) but we were doing pottery. We had the female clay and we were making beads. I was really into making jewelry and like. Grace had a business. I did, Well, we'll talk about that in embarrassing stories. Okay. We always were making things and being creative, and my mom saved all of her old clothing, mm-hmm. like, and we had a huge dress-up bin. She made our clothes too for yeah. all of the holidays. That she made
2: our Easter dresses and our Christmas dresses. Mm-hmm. She made us quilts. She yeah. made us curtains. I mean, I remember, Halloween costumes. Yeah. I remember going to Joanne Fabrics and Bed Bath and Beyond, and I was getting to designed my first solo bedroom that I wasn't sharing with either sister and we got a bed in the bag but we took the sheets and we made them into curtains and we picked out carpeting in this very specific marine green that I loved and then we picked out a paint to match it and painted the floor and it was like it was a whole thing yeah yeah
1: how would you say that you are similar and then how would you say that you are different I want want to hear from both of you
0: Uh, I mean I think we're both like we both like love to sleep and we both like love alone time and we love our cats so much We both love to read
2: We would both probably pick out the same things on a menu when we're out to eat I would say Yeah
0: But I think different wise like I'm definitely more of the social one out of the two of us And like whereas like I like to be in bed by 10 or 11 you like to be in bed by like eight. Not eight, but
2: <laughs> I feel great if I go to bed at nine, but I'm you also that's get up not much really earlier. Yeah, I do I get up very early now, even mm-hmm. more so than before.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well you have a daughter. <laughs> She's a
1: mom. Wait, Grace, what's one thing that Becca is better at than you? Painting. <laughs>
0: She's definitely calmer than I am and better at, like, getting less fired up. I get, like, very fired up, especially, like, when I was fighting with Meredith, like, when we were home. Oh, Uh, I just that's. You just tune it
1: out. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, same question to you. What's something that Grace is better at than you are? This is a funny story. I don't know if this is really answering your, your question, but Grace has always been really
2: good about, like, helping me figure things out that related to, like, being an adult or like appearances. Yeah. Remember how I didn't realize that my hair was curly when we were oh, young? Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, I went through it all before you did. So yeah. I didn't know my hair was curly. But you, you also, so she definitely fixed that. I was problem. like, well, you need some mousse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you also taught me how to like cook some of my first dinners, like chicken parmesan and oh, like, yeah. things like that. yeah. I mean, I don't know. These are like sister things. I, I'm like, those were all, I remember. Going back home to my apartment in Providence and making chicken parm, and I felt
0: Oh, I want to make chicken parm tonight. Nice. <laughs> so good.
1: Yeah. So I know the answer to this question, but I want to hear it about it. Did you fight as kids? Oh, my gosh, yes. So badly. <laughs> I feel like Grace has told a story on this podcast at one point where – Was it you or Meredith that she like pinned somewhere with a chair? I pinned Grace to the wall with
0: a chair. She turned the chair (laughs) around the side. And like, I always like, so there goes the whole even yeah, tempered thing. But I always had the upper hand. Like I was bigger. I was more (laughs) manipulative. Like I was the oldest. So I just remember being pinned. It was, you had me against the bathroom door with the chair, with the legs. I was pinned between the legs. And I was like, this is how I'm going to die. I'm going to die. This is how I'm going to die. So wait,
1: <laughs> Becca was the aggressor or yes, that was just a one-off time? I think I did something that upset Yes, you. it
2: was sort of like, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back and then I had I a think I
1: strong reaction. But like, <laughs> yeah. what about in general? Like, I imagine Grace was the aggressor. I've seen her with her cat. <laughs> right. Yes, I'd say I was mean. I was like,
0: I would like make fun of my sister's appearances and stuff and I think it was because I was getting bullied in school but like, I would be like, you need to pluck your eyebrows. Like I told our other sister, she had a triangle head because she has a heart shaped face, and she would wear like French braids. So then, like it was really big up by her forehead, and then like she has a narrow chin. Like I, that, it's like really cruel. <laughs> like, like I know. Oh, uh, I, was, I like, remember triangle you head. saying she looked like the Hanson brothers, which is a compliment. <laughs> They're so pretty. Like I would like to look like a Hanson brother. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. She looked like the pretty one though, Taylor. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't nice. Was it like a chain? Were you then mean mm, to Meredith? Yeah. You and I actually, though, because we were three years
2: apart, but we were four years apart in school, I think that was really helpful for like high school and things. Meredith and I were in high school at the same time, and that was just horrible. I mean, I was horrible to her. She was horrible to me. I didn't want to drive her to school. We fought a lot.
0: I found letters that you each wrote to me when I was in college and you were in high school. And Meredith was like, Becca's been real mean to me. And you're like, Meredith won't stop being annoying. <laughs> you just like called her <laughs> annoying like 10 times in the note. Oh when my did gosh. you guys become
1: friends?
0: I feel like when I went to college. Yeah. Yeah. Because I missed you guys. And like, then it was like, oh, come visit me. And yeah. I visited you at school. Yeah. And I think with Merit the East, when we had distance too,
2: I think it yeah. was hard in high school. You're just,
0: you're on top of a
2: great
1: time. And I don't know who would want to go back. Mm-mm, Never. No. Ever. Okay. So now the question that I am most excited for can you share an embarrassing story about Grace? <sighs> it's the business. <laughs> I think. It's you can pick business? whatever you want. Elegance from England. Oh,
2: okay. No, that's a great story. Oh, Grace was always very entrepreneurial. I think (laughs) one of my favorite things that you did growing up is that you would sell, you'd pick the berries from our garden, my mom's garden, as well as the wild ones. And then you would try to sell them back to the restaurant. (laughs) Or you go around to the neighbors,
0: too. Yeah, and my mom and dad were like, you can't just take all the raspberries and sell them to the neighbors. I'm like, well, you can buy them. Yeah, so you were then trying to sell them back to the, the kitchen.
2: <laughs> um, you also definitely took all of our allowance money with your company, Elegance, from England.
1: I've heard the story, but for people who have not, can you tell us about Elegance from England? <laughs> yes, so Grace would <laughs>
2: I mean, you made, she made all of these tags... So everything had a label on it. You were always aware of branding.
0: Oh my god! Remember how we would take the Gap socks because yes. it was sticky, and we would cut you'd them? put it on everything, and then you'd yeah. try to sell it to us. I was like, "This is from the Gap." It's this new body lotion. Yeah, no, it was not from the Gap.
2: But Elegance from England was like clothes for our paper dolls that were handmade. They were drawn. Were they good? I can't remember. I think so. I think there were like pearls on them and things. Yeah, we did a. Feathers. We worked really hard at crafts. Yeah. You set everything up, so we lived in this old house. And Grace's room at the time had a sink in it,
0: and then it then didn't was, work. No, it didn't work. But it was an old sink, like so random sink in the be- middle of the bedroom. <laughs> we loved it. We put the cat in the sink. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was
2: actually like a nice marble little like corner. Thing. It was very small and it had vintage faucets. I mean, it was original. Yeah, and then there was this door to the attic, and I mean, I guess it was. You an had attic. to go through
0: the my bedroom to get to the attic.
2: Yeah, and there was this hall, like a little like h- hallway, wooden room, and you set everything up in there. That was the store. Oh, I forgot and everything about. was like laid out. But you know, you cut out like dresses that were out of like velvet and <laughs> taped them to the paper, and that was the <laughs> dress for the. I yeah. don't remember what else there was that you made. I think you put like weird things in a
0: bag. There was the liquor. Um, bag that was purple. Oh, the Chambord bag. Or was it Crown Royal? I think it was Crown Royal. It was Crown Royal. And you I have- loved those bags. I would collect those for my parents because so they had a restaurant with a bar. So I'd be like, can I have the purple bags? Yeah.
2: So there were things, there were just random things in bags that <laughs> you were like, that, I don't know, like seeds weird things and, she would, yeah. sell them and too. she would sell
0: them to us mom and dad would get so mad they'd be like you can because I was like I'm getting my allowance and I'm getting all their allowances too and my friend and I would be like this is like the cool new thing like you need this if you want to be a big girl yep. like and maybe <laughs> even better was the witches oh oh god that's embarrassing
1: tell the story
2: tell the story <laughs> tell the story <laughs> so we were obsessed with anything about I rolled doll oh my god it was obsessed. Obs- it was like the best. All I still think it, he's like absolutely brilliant. Those books were so good. I'm still scared watching the witches movie. Like I get yeah, tra- so traumatized. If you haven't read the witches, read the witches. But you used to talk about it and how this was real. And we would sit <laughs> and we watch all the people that were going into the restaurant. And if they were wearing gloves or there were other certain things. The gloves that, was the big thing. That was the big thing. Then they were witches. Or if it looked like they had a wig on. Yes. <laughs> These poor so, women. I mean, and you have to remember that we grew up on Cape Cod, which is a big retirement community. So, and especially this is,
1: <laughs> and it
2: was thirty cold, years so ago. I bet so a lot yeah. of people wore gloves. Yes. Yeah. So we would sit and we'd watch the people driving in, and yeah. then we'd say like, "Oh, who's wh- who are witches?" So
0: we all talked about this all the time. It was like a normal part of our life, like the witches, this and that. Like it was just like, "Just the sky is, is blue and yeah. there's witches." Yes.
2: So we had these forts behind the house, behind the restaurant. And we spent a lot of time out there and we would eat <laughs> onion grass because, <laughs> because it helped protect you
0: against the witches. That was our own made up thing. I do not yeah. think that was in the books. No, we made that up because we found that it was like, <laughs> I don't know if they were chives or what they were like wildly they were growing. Gr- they were growing and we were eating them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I mean, it worked because you never got attacked by witches. Yes. So, but Meredith had a friend that was like some
2: pastor's daughter Ashley, Ashley Frain.
0: Poor Ashley. <laughs> Sorry, Ashley. She, she came
2: over and was playing out in the woods, and Meredith was telling her about like what she needed to do to stay protected against the witches. She
0: lost it. She was so upset. She ran out crying and lost her mind. And then I was blamed, of course. Like I was put in the corner. I'm like, I didn't even do it. I spread the word and <laughs> got trickled down.
1: <laughs> that sounds
0: very grace. <laughs>
1: yeah. That was funny. So the last question that I was going to cut, but Grace told me I couldn't because 20 people asked it. Do you have an Amazon
2: nightgown? I do not. I have been heavily influenced to buy one. But then when I thought about it, the one I wanted was the blue one and it sold out. And then I thought about it and I was like, you barely have room for anything else right now. So it's okay."
0: Yeah. Now that the baby lives in the closet.
2: She doesn't live in the closet, but yeah. I have well, to share of. my closet with her. Yeah. For clothes and things and baby
1: stuff. Yeah. Do you want to do obsessions with us? What are obsessions? Do you have something you're obsessed with? Yes. Okay, then talk about it. Okay. Great, you're doing it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> One of my recent obsessions, and it's been going on for a while now, is case for making paints. Oh. And I love for that. I think somebody asked a question that we didn't answer about. If you wanted to get started painting, they make the most beautiful paint sets. They are not like you would expect, you know, your paints from Windsor Newton. They're very even and they're like commercially produced. These ones are hand ground from real earth pigments and other kinds of pigments. They have fluorescents, they have metallics, they have all these and they come packaged like almost like these little candies and you can pick out the ones you want. And put them into a set. I think I influenced Grace to get them. I did. What's it called? Case for Making. They're based in San Francisco. It's amazing. I love them. I had some of their paints at our press preview because it just seemed like a great way to promote what they were doing
0: because I really liked them. Yeah, they're so pretty. I, yeah. I got influenced. I bought a set for to paint, start painting with. Yeah,
1: Becca, what are you obsessed with? Other Becca. <laughs> um, I'm obsessed with Taylor Swift's new album, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I... It's the only thing I've listened to for the past week. It is like straight hits. All of the singles suck. I don't know why they were released as singles. Like there are some bops on there. It's great. I am in Kate Kennedy's Facebook group. Oh, I am too. So our friend Kate Kennedy, who hosts Be There in Five, talks a lot about Taylor Swift. As like, it's a pop culture podcast, but she also has like a special affinity for Taylor Swift. So. I also know literally everything about this album because of that Facebook group, but I'm in deep with it. I listened. I think it's pretty good. I think it's great. Yeah.
0: What are you obsessed with? I am obsessed with my gold vintage mirror, which is currently resting against the fridge because it's too heavy for me to hang. So I have this, it's like a digital art frame and I'm, I never use it. It broke. So I'm taking that down and putting the gold mirror up above it. And I'm so excited to hang that. But I have to have a task rabbit come tomorrow and do that. Where did you get it? Where did you find it? I got it on Cherish. So it was definitely a splurge, but I love Cherish. Becca got me into Cherish.
2: I love Cherish.
0: Like, I all, don't know what Cherish is. It's a Oh vintage, my gosh, oh. you've got to get on it. It's a vintage website. So this could be an obsession. I bought itself. a lot of things. My little cabinet over there with the caning is from there. My palm leaf pillows are from them. Anything, a lot, I've gotten a lot of vintage glassware. I have glassware. These blue glass lamps from them. I got my Alexander Calder print
1: there. They have a lot of great art. It's addictive. Yeah. I just opened this and I, this might
2: be a problem. So when I was writing the book and I was looking for props in specific colors, I just spent so much time on there, just buying things and looking.
0: Yeah. I love it. Oh, I got the most beautiful milk glass coupe glasses mm. for champagne there. All my favorite things. So it was definitely a splurge, but for me, like the mirror is from the 19th century. Like it's like from France in the 1890s. Yeah. Like, how cool is that? But
2: you can find some deals on there too. Like totally. it definitely is like there's a variety of price points. Like that's where you should go shopping.
0: They also have um there's no price regulation because it's mostly yes. just like all these different sellers. So like my mirror, there was someone selling the same one for five grand. Mine yeah. was not five grand. And you can bid too.
2: I oh. was just recently listening, so we're getting deep into the cherished world, but I was listening to their business of home podcast. And it's so interesting hearing about how they built their business and how people in the beginning, they didn't have the bidding thing, oh. but people wanted to haggle because it's that's what you're used to in a flea market. And so they built in that feature. And I just thought that was so smart.
1: That's so smart. What about on Instagram? What are you obsessed with on Instagram, Grace? Oh my
0: God. It's called at round dot boys. Ashley Hesselstein tagged me in something. It's all round animals. Oh, and do you want to know what's funny? You know how you I can- thought it was going to be a food account. No, that would be a great food account. You know what's really funny, not to throw her under the bus, but I love it. Is you can see like which friends of yours are liking posts. Every single round boy's post. Guess who's liking
1: you and Ashley?
0: No, I don't even know if Ashley follows them. Blair Eady. That makes sense. Yeah, Blair's a creep. Blair's a creep who loves she loves Tyrion like so much. Like. When we have the dinner party, I look over and she's just laying on the couch next to him.
1: Oh, this is a great Instagram. I like this um rabbit with a pancakes on its head. Oh, it's wonderful. I think I should follow. You guys are
0: both going to get a lot of joy from this. Love us. this.
1: Becca, do you have an Instagram thing that you're
2: into? I, I have many, but the one that comes to mind is one that I constantly look at what just it? because it makes me oh, happy. I know what it is. It's oh. called Persian Love,
0: but it's spelled like... <laughs> so P-U-R-R... Per- S-A-N, <laughs> I think. Uh, but it's amazing. It's I, all we want. Either one of us want in life. She has like five or six cats. I can't keep track.
1: You mean the woman who owns this Instagram, not Grace? Yes.
2: But it's really amazing. It just makes you really happy. I used to have on my desktop before I had my cats, I had a folder called cats. And I just had some photos of cats in it. And
0: I would look at it whenever I felt Stressed. One of them looks just like Tyrion. Look at this. Look at the one sitting on the floor there. So changing so gears satisfying. before yeah, these two it. sisters
1: like adopt eight more cats. Oh, that's, that's my all goal. All of us want. Wait, are but, you
0: really getting a third one now that you have Zoe?
1: Not right now, but at some point, everyone in the house
2: needs a cat. Steve's rule was no more pets than people, which I think we're going to break. But you know, now we have a baby, so we could get another cat.
1: Okay.
0: I am just me, so I can only have one pet. Wow!
2: Okay. I don't know
0: how the boys would handle it, though.
2: So mm, that's yeah. a factor.
0: You guys should follow her cat's Instagram, which is at Chili and Cotton. It's not very updated. Yeah, I'm not good at updating Tyrians either. But like the factor of like having more than one of those kind of cats together is just like so good. It's so wonderful, <laughs> especially when they love each other. Oh, I know. I get so jealous. I just want Tyrion. Teary- you know, I told you the story about how Tyrion too'd another cat at the vet, right? Yes. I, like, there was a girl Persian that looked like him, and I was like, oh, this is cute. So I, like, let him out of his carrier to, like, look at her, and he gets in the
1: case with her. I was like, oh, maybe Mm-mm. you do want a friend. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cats. Cats.
1: Mine is not animal-related. So, my friend Lauren Chan just launched her business today. It went live. Oh my God, it's live today. It's live today. It's called Henning, and their Instagram is at Henning, H E N N I N G. And it is a plus size clothing brand with really beautiful workwear and suiting Ooh. from size 14 to 24. Lauren's amazing. She's been working on it for a long time, a I'm while. Sure. Um, but she's an X plus size model. I guess she's still a model. And uh, she is so. Pretty. She was a editor at Glamour, and she just has like incredible taste. And she's actually going to be a guest on the podcast in a couple of months. Yeah, but you should go follow it.
0: I'm I going love to that. I right love now. that trench
1: coat. I want that trench coat. The trench is really good. There's yeah. also a blue silk suit that's really great. The clothes are great. Yeah. So go follow Henning. Tell people support new businesses that are female founded. And yay, Lauren. Yeah. Good for Lauren. I didn't know that lunch today. Yeah. That's today great. meaning September 3rd, not today meaning today when we record this. Oh,
0: that makes more sense
1: because I'm like, it's not there. I don't see it. <laughs> okay. What about reading, Grace? We have been
0: doing a lot of reading. Yeah. So right now, Becca and I are trying to lock down our fall book lineup. And that means just reading a ton, which is so cool because we've been able to get our hands on ARCs for a lot of up and coming titles And so we've just been, like, reading monsters. Like, I haven't looked at TV. Like, I'm not calling home. I'm just reading, reading, reading. So I read this week. I read The Other's Gold by Elizabeth Ames. And that, I think, is out now. It's out. It came out August 27th. So that is about four women following them from the day that they meet as college roommates in school all the way through, like, motherhood and, like, their 30s, I would say. And it follows them as they each make, like, the biggest mistake of their lives. So. It's really interesting. It does get a little weird, but I overall enjoyed it. The next one I literally read in twelve hours. I highly recommend this one if you like a thriller. It's called "We Came Here to Forget" by Andrea Dunlop. And Andrea Dunlop like writes a lot of thrillers, and she's like pretty prolific. She's had a lot of bestsellers, but this one I just like needed to know what happened. So it basically deals with this woman she is a professional skier she's like trained her whole life to make the olympic team the whole thing then this horrific awful secret about her sister comes out in the media and it like derails everything so she moves to Buenos Aires and like basically restarts her whole life she discovers this whole community of expats it is amazing it's very hard to read at some points if you have a small child There's definitely a trigger warning there, but I love the book. And then now I'm reading The Family Upstairs, which is a thriller coming out November 5th. And that's by Lisa Jewell. And Lisa Jewell wrote And Then She Was Gone, which was another thriller that was a lot like The Lovely Bones. And it just like is one of those books that like I think about it and I feel like a little sick to my stomach in a good way. And also just like it just stuck with me. Like her books are really, really... um, they cut you deep, which I like in a thriller. And so I'm only about 50 pages into that, but I'm enjoying it so far. So those are my three. I have one book. What's your book? Joyful by Ingrid Vettel-Lee.
2: It's so good. I love it. It's all about the aesthetics of joy and things that you can do visually to bring joy into your life. Because we're always so focused on happiness is internal. And actually, there are things that you can view that make you happy and have huge impact on
0: your well-being. And I just think it's a really great
2: book. I think I got sent that. I'm
0: looking at it and the cover looks really familiar.
2: I've been gifting it to people because I love
1: it so much. That's how you know it's a good book. Yeah. That's like you and a sky being said, gold. Give it to everyone. Yeah. So on my front, I also read The Other's Gold. It It went a little off the rails for my taste. It just got
0: weird. I don't want to give anything
1: away. I loved the beginning. It went a little off the rails for me, but my taste may not be your taste. For the first 60% of the book, we were like, this needs to be our fall book.
0: Yeah. We changed our mind.
1: Then I read this book called Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. Are you done with it? Yeah. Okay. I finished it two nights ago. And so basically the premise of the book is it's like a fantasy novel and it's about The secret societies at Yale, which are real. But in this book, they are all kind of doing a different magical trade kind of. So like one of them is dealing with necromancy, like one of them is dealing with illusion. So each of them have like their own type of magic. And this girl goes there and there's like a mystery, but it's also a little magical. It was great. It really sucked me in. I can't wait to read that. That one comes out in October. So, and then I started, we came here to forget this morning, but I only read 10 pages. Oh, it's so good. I can't wait. But if you are looking for something to read, our September book club pick comes out today. It is American Royals by Catherine McGee. And it is a young adult book that follows a plot line about what would It be like if George Washington was the first king instead of the first president. So it's set in the present day, and the U.S. has a royal family, and so fun. The first female monarch is getting ready to ascend the throne, and it's a YA book. There's three siblings. It's very good. Why is this the first woman taking this long? Because there was there were succession rules, and then they decided in present day that a woman could be queen.
2: So far behind
0: England.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. in this fictional world. Okay. Yeah. But it's very feminist. It's very good. Oh, that's good. Yeah,
0: it's great. Okay. We both devoured it. I am so excited to reread it before we do our book club.
1: Yeah, so we'll discuss that the last Wednesday of September, mm-hmm. and you should definitely pick it up. It's by the same author of the Thousandth Floor Trilogy, which we loved. We loved. So I'm excited. We haven't done Young Adult in a while. Yeah. This is our first time repeating an author. I know. So pick that up. And then, Becca, you have earned your own desperation minute. Where can people follow you, find you, (laughs) buy your pillows, and more? Um, Our website is RebeccaAtwood.com, so it's really easy.
2: You can follow me on Instagram at
0: Rebecca Rebecca underscore underscore
2: Atwood. Atwood. Our team account is Rebecca Atwood Designs. That's the best place for all the news and, like, really – they are much better about posting all the things you need to know than I am.
1: What about <laughs> your cat's account?
2: I don't update it, so I wouldn't highly recommend following, but it is chili and cotton. Go look at it. It's cute. <laughs> Where do you want people to buy your book? You can buy it wherever you want. We do sell signed copies on our website, but you know, do whatever is easiest for you. And it's
1: called Living With Color. Yes, And the first book, if you want to go into the archives, is Living with Pattern. Yes. They're
2: companion books. They really go well together. And they look great together. They both have a colored book block and pattern covers. They're really pretty.
1: They're great coffee table books. When we were at the Noel Hotel in Nashville, they had them on like every surface. It was like Mm. they bought 200 and just put them like on every bookshelf. It was so weird. It was really weird. Anyway. So definitely go do all of that. Buy her book follow her on Instagram. If you would like to support us, you can join our Facebook group. Just search Bad on Paper Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. You can buy tickets to our live shows at badonpaperpodcast.com slash live. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And
0: my blog is thestripe.com.
1: Really jammed a lot of calls to action in there. Yeah, (laughs) so many. But yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.